NFR Extra is a weekly podcast that focuses on the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo and features icons that embody the rodeo and Western lifestyle. I'm your host, Nevada Caldwell, and this is NFR Extra, episode 49, and Las Vegas is starting to open, and so are live sports. And out of the chutes is the South Point Arena and Equestrian Center, as they host the PBR Monster Energy Team Challenge, featuring 48 of the world's top pro bull riders, including 2019 Bull Riding World Champion Sage Kimsey, and 2019 All-Around Champion Stetson Wright. So with all that going on, what a better time to sit down with Steve Stallworth, General Manager of the South Point Arena and Equestrian Center, as we talk about Steve's beginning in the Las Vegas community, his involvement in the evolution of Las Vegas entertainment and its venues, Michael Gong, and a lot more. Make sure to give us a rating review on Apple Podcasts, iHeart, Spotify, or wherever you listen to NFR Extra. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Up next, Brylon Bentley's Rodeo News of the Week. This is Brylon's Bull, the Rodeo News of the Week. This week's Rodeo News of the Week brought to you by George Taylor on the Cowboy Channel. Hi, George, and welcome. Hi, Amy. Thanks. Good to be here. Well, it's great to have you. We have a lot to get to, but let's start with what information you can give us concerning events through June. Yeah, I think the most exciting thing that I can tell you is, uh, while it seems like we've missed a lot of rodeos, we still have about 90% of the payouts left in the season. So while we've had 137 rodeos canceled, uh, we've got a lot on the board, and we've got 50 to 55 in June that are currently scheduled and 100 on the schedule for July. So uh, that time that we're coming up to is really important. And as we're looking at this, you know, a lot of the contestants are asking us, George, do we need to expand the season or extend the season? Uh, What are we going to do about rodeo counts and all that type of stuff? We're going to really wait because of the numbers that I just told you. We're going to wait until no later than July 1st before we can tell everybody what we're planning to do for the full year. At this point, what are the COVID guidelines or ground rules that will have to be followed? Yeah, I think, you know, we're going to have to really take that responsibility seriously as we begin to rodeo again so that nobody stops us, uh, even though we're frustrated with a lot of those things. And it's really going to be about, you know, where we use masks, how we disinfect, how we compartmentalize different production personnel and really strive to keep ourselves safe so that we don't have any COVID instances as a result. And probably one of the biggest things is we'll have to screen some of our contestants as we get ready to go there. In 2020, more than 7,000 kids will compete for the coveted 750 spots at the Junior World Finals in Las Vegas, presented by Yeti. Each qualifier will go head-to-head for more than a half a million dollars in a championship buckle in the biggest rodeo youth event in the country. This could be the first stop on the road to a pro rodeo car in a gold buckle in Vegas. Find out how your son or daughter can earn the right to compete against the best. 
at the Junior World Finals, presented by Yeti. Hello, I'm Reno Rosser, and this is Cotton Rosser. Welcome to NFR Extra. With nearly 30 years of experience, Steve Stallworth currently serves as the general manager of the South Point Arena, Equestrian Center, and Prefort Pavilion. His experience also includes being the vice president and general manager for the Orleans Arena and associate director of the Thomas Mack Center, Sam Boyd Stadium, and Cox Pavilion. A 1987 UNLV graduate, Stallworth, being the rebel that he is, played quarterback for the UNLV Rebels football team from 1982 to 86, alongside four-time Pro Bowler, NFL quarterback, Randall Cunningham. Mr. Hodges, here we go, man. Uh, these interviews just keep cranking, and you know, we're in 2020, and who knows what to expect with this year, right? Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and the individual we have here, uh, pretty in- integral to Las Vegas, the entertainment side. Um, he's got his hands in all kinds of things over the past, uh, man, 30-plus years in the business. We are joined by general manager of the South Point Arena, Steve Stallworth. All right, guys. Thanks for having me, man. I've uh, listened to your podcast before, and I'm honored to be here. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you on here, cool man. i tell you what. There is nobody, nobody that I work for that I like any better coming to that South Point and working either tough deal, working the bullfights there for the PBR, doing the anything you got, buddy. That is that is the prime rib of rodeo. <laughs> I love that. Hey, that might be our new tagline, man. The prime rib of rodeo, South Point. I love it. <laughs> That's it. New tagline, Robbie. <laughs> Michael like that, won't he? Absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Well, hey, let's let's get to know Steve. You know, I, I know Steve, but I, our listeners probably don't. And this is, uh, this is a good time to get to know him. You know, there's a lot of people that we brought on this show that he's connected to, uh, as they'll find out through this interview. Steve, where, where, yeah. where, where did you, where were you raised? Where did you come from? You know what? That is a good question. Where 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 did you come from? <laughs> well, I, I tell you, I grew up in a small town, uh, boys, Yuma, Arizona, small town in Arizona, down in the southwest corner. Uh, we were right on the border of Mexico. There you go, right? Exactly, right down on the corner of Mexico and California. Um, all all my family's still there. I was born and raised there. My mom. Uh, is still there. My dad was married five times, my mom four times. All of the exes, all of the kids, they're all still in Yuma. So I've got brothers, sisters, half-brothers, half-sisters, step-brothers, step-sisters everywhere down in Yuma. So, um, uh, And they're all successful. They're all doing great. Very proud of my upbringing there. But, and um, I, I played sports all yeah, I played sports all, all growing up. And then in uh, 1982, I was a senior in high school and I got recruited to play football, and uh, I took a few recruiting trips and uh, came to UNLV at the time that we we had a brand-new coach, a guy named Harvey Hyde. It was his very first year in 1982, so I was the first recruiting class that he brought in. Um, Fell in love with Las Vegas, and the rest is history. So, yeah, and we're getting ready to talk about that, Steve. So, you know, that was just the the, the stepping stone, and and from what I understand, there's – kind of a, a, a happening at that time when you're coming to UNLV, right? There's uh, the arena getting being built. Uh, you know, the, a few years later, you find out there's this thing called the NFR. Were you aware of what the NFR was when you were at UNLV? Well, I tell you, I'll tell you my quick story. So I got to Vegas um, 
June 10th, 1982. I was 17 years old. It was my very first day here. June 11th, 1982, I was working the Holmes-Cooney fight for a guy named Dennis Finfrock, mm. uh, who you guys may remember back in the day. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. Dennis, Dennis was the UNLV wrestling coach at the time, and he also... Uh, had all the ushers at the fights. So we worked for Dennis there, and Dennis, believe it or not, is from Yuma, Arizona. Small world story there. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, long story short, um, you know, went to school, and then, of course, in 19, I don't know, 83 or so, they started building the Thomas and Mack Center. Uh, actually, I think they were building it then in 82. Yeah, they would have had to have been. Yeah, they were building it in 82, and, of course, you know, on campus, we're watching this humongous thing rise uh, through the ashes. Uh, and it's a great story. Dennis Frank and Pat Christensen, they were both wrestling coaches and, uh, they ended up dropping the wrestling program and UNLV said to both of them, Hey, listen, good news, bad news, bad news is we're dropping the wrestling program. Good news is we're building this arena. Do you guys want to go run it? So, <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, um, now, now, both of you guys, I don't mean to interrupt you, but where, where, what was the covered arena? What was the building in Las Vegas then? Where did Back, where did things happen? That's right. When I came on my recruiting trip, I went to a Run and Rebel game that was unbelievably exciting because there were only 6,500 seats, and it was at the convention center, and they called it the Rotunda. Yeah. Uh, so anybody prior to 1982 would remember the Rotunda. Um, it looked like a spaceship rising up out of the ground at the convention center. Um, really? But. But that's where the Running Rebels played, and um, you know when they built the Thomas and Mack Center, they built it as a basketball-only venue with concrete seats all the way to the floor. And one of the first oh. things, one of the first things Dennis Fenfrock did is he went back to the legislature and said, "Hey, we need to tear out these concrete seats and put in retractable seats that we so we can do other events." And, of course, I don't think he was even thinking about the rodeo back then, but um, that move right there is what allowed us to bring the rodeo in back in the early 80s. Let's take a quick pause. We'll return in a few moments. Hi, I'm 23-time world champion cowboy Trevor Brazil, and you're listening to NFR Extra. One under 20 of the best cowboys and barrel racers rode into Las Vegas last December and left $10 million richer. The chase for 2020 has already begun, and all champions are hungry for gold. Be sure to follow your favorite cowboys, barrel racers, and local rodeos all season long. It all leads to one place, the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Learn more at nfrexperience.com. This is the NFR. This is Vegas. We are back with Steve Stallworth, General Manager of the South Point Arena and Equestrian Center. Hey, Steve, so when wow, you, when, no so you come to UNLV, and we're getting ready to tailor this into kind of your career, but... What were you coming besides playing football? What was your focus like? What what, what were you what were you studying at the time, or what did you uh, end up graduating with? Well, Nevada, I you know I was studying trying to be a pro football player, right? I mean, yep. isn't that what uh, that's what every kid yeah, <laughs> wants to right? study when they get in? But then I realized I uh, I got caught up and and ended up backing up a guy named Randall Cunningham, <laughs> and realized how good he was. So I figured I better buckle down and get an education, <laughs> man, because. I saw what it took, but I actually majored in communications and I minored in English and I wanted to be in the advertising and the PR business. And that's kind of where I started my career at R and R advertising right out of college. Oh man. I didn't know that. That's nice. 
Really? So, so you're right in the hotbed and this is Rob, you're going to find this. I mean, you could listen to a pad yeah. conversation we've had, or you're just getting ready to find out what Steve was experiencing. So what, what started to happen uh, for you, your career, let's say late eighties, uh, right after you graduate, like what has that, that late eighties start to transpire for you with the event business? Well, you bet. So I worked at an uh, R&R advertising right out of college. And then I went and sold radio advertising for a guy named Tom Hum here in town. Um, and the running rebels were on fire. I mean, I had a lot of friends working at the Thomas and Mack center, a lot of people and a guy named Mark Prouse, who you all know, mm-hmm. uh, at the time was the director of sponsorships at the Thomas and Mack center. He left the Thomas and Mack to go to the, to Tacoma and run the Tacoma dome. Mm. So when he left, there was a job open there and a guy named Ron Drake, uh, hired me for that job. And I started there, golly, 1990 or so UNLV had just won a national championship. Uh, we were the only arena in the market. That was in the Jerry Tarkanian days, Robbie. Absolutely. Um, and selling sponsorships. All you had to do was pick up the phone, man. It wasn't, it wasn't real difficult back then. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It was all good, man. I learned quickly after that though, that, uh, it got a lot tougher, but, uh, it was, it was a cool time in our history. And, um, and of course, you know, the MGM Grand Garden didn't open until 93. So we had a little bit of a running start. And then of course, after that, I mean, this town just went crazy. I think Manley Bay's arena opened in 96 or 97. Yep. Uh, then the Orleans arena, we brought that around in 2003. Um, uh, the joint came on, you know, during that time at the hard rock. So there was yeah. a, just a frenzy of activity, but, um, but it was amazing back in those days when we were the only property in town. I mean, we, we had obviously every event, you know, that came through the city was at the Thomas and Mack center. Yeah. And, but it's not just a normal situation that you're in because first of all, you're, you're, you're attached to a couple of facilities, right? Thomas Mack center, Sam Boyd stadium, MGM starting to happen right in the early nineties, but you're in, you're in a kind of a new, let's just call it a new uh, think tank you're working with, right. As far as how to get events, where does your role kind of play with that group, uh, with with the Pat Christensen's and well, and, and Drake's at the, the time that they were there? But in those '90s, man, how did that? How were you, Steve, tailoring what you were learning at that time? Because there was a lot of ingenuity going on with promote or getting the business or getting events, right? Absolutely, and I, I was very, very blessed to be with uh, what is I, I would still call the A team of, of venue management and not just Las Vegas, but maybe the whole Western part of the country. I mean, uh, if you look at all of the, uh, let's call them the alumni that came from the Thomas and Mack center and are still running facilities and running buildings and running sports organizations. I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, yeah, it's amazing how many guys went on to do what they did, you know, from, from that, that world. And, um, and you know what? A lot of those guys were used to working over the years in a crowded marketplace. And, you know, that's a valuable, a valuable skill to have, as you said, Nevada. I mean, there were, uh, it became, the marketplace became crowded very, very quickly. And, and not only how are we going to attract events, how are we going to keep employees? How are we going to uh, keep morale? How are we going to run profitable oh, yeah. food and beverage operations? How are we going to take care of our, our biggest tenants, of course, the athletic department. So, um, but I mean, it was the most exciting 10 years of my life. And of course, set me up for future success. It's time to take a little break. 
to celebrate the 35th anniversary of the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas, LVE and PRCA present the top 35 most memorable moments. It didn't take long for Louis Field to feel comfortable at the National Finals Rodeo's new digs, the Thomas and Mack Center. Field celebrated the move to Vegas in 1985 with two world championships, the bareback riding world title and the all-around gold buckle. This is Louis Field riding for the world title. He could also be the first rough stock rider to win the coveted all-around championship title since the famous Larry Mayhap. He doubled down again in 1986, winning both world championships again, then won his third straight world all-around crown in 1987 to bring his gold buckle count to five in just three years. In addition to winning five world championships, Phil was the first rough stock cowboy to reach the $1 million mark in career earnings. He also nabbed two NFR average titles in bareback riding. Field's solid team roping skills helped to earn him three Linderman Awards in his career. Louis Field was inducted into the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame as one of the all-time great all-around cowboys in 1992. Hi, I'm Speed Williams, eight-time world champion team roper, and we're listening to the NFR Extra. We are back with Steve Stallworth. General Manager of the South Point Arena and Equestrian Center. You're you're in a hotbed of activity that you know if you're if you're keeping your eyes open, and your ears, and you're listening. You're, you're there's a lot going on that that applies to going on. Um, what at what point did you start to see? Because clearly, right, you wanted to be a pro football player. Uh, I don't think you <laughs> necessarily saw yourself being in the event business, right? Ten years later, or in the '90s, when did you start to think that I want to run a building? When when did that start to go through your head? Well, you know, in the sort of mid nineties there too, uh, there were a lot of, there was a lot of activity in the West with arenas, you know, America West arena, which is where the Phoenix suns played was built. But what they call now the pond at Anaheim was being built. Um, Salt Lake city up the new building up there was being built. There was a lot of activity. The problem is for a guy like me, if I wanted to run my own building, I had to leave the market. And I loved Vegas. I, I married a Vegas girl and I wasn't going anywhere. So for me, I caught a huge, huge break. And that is when Michael Gaughan called me one day and he said he wanted to build an arena at the Orleans Hotel and Casino. And uh, this was this was in 2001. And I, I was a little bit honest with him at the time. I said, Mr. Gaughan, I'm not sure we need another arena in this town. Um yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I was talking myself out of a job and he said, "No, no, no." He says, "We're going to do it different." He goes, "We're going to offer free parking. This is all about the locals. Free parking, $3 beers, dollar hot dogs, dollar popcorn." And it was the typical Michael Gone model. And, you know, for me, honestly, uh the big man upstairs was watching down on me cuz for me to be able to be involved in building my own building and live sleep in my own bed and live in my own city was really a dream come true. What I didn't realize at the time was how blessed I was going to be for the next 20 years to absolutely to work for Michael gone. So forget about all the buildings and everything else, but working for this man has been a blessing in my life. And, uh, I, I I'm very, very thankful for that opportunity. Hey, where did you, where did you and Michael gone first meet? Oh, I'm sorry. Say that one more time. Where, where did you and Michael Gong first meet? Like, where 
where did you guys develop your relationship? It was two ways. Number one, it was every day for 10 days, for 10 years, I would say hi to Mr. Gone when he came <laughs> to the rodeo, Yep. you know, and I'd shake his hand and welcome Mr. Gone and Mrs. Gone. And, um, it was that. And then it was also selling him sponsorship and advertising for UNLV athletics. Uh, he has always, always been a longtime supporter of UNLV athletics and, uh, everything, you know, basketball, football, what have you. So, um, so the relationship wasn't, I wouldn't call it close, close, but you know, we had, we had a great relationship in terms of just knowing who each other was and, uh, it wasn't a cold call, I guess. <laughs> it wasn't exactly a cold call, but I will tell you this, uh, Pat Christensen is the one that, that told Michael gone that I was ready for this opportunity and, um, and that I could be the guy to help him get this thing going. So, you know, Pat Christensen was really the one that, that sold me to Michael to be able to do it. Yeah. So oh, go ahead, Rob. Sorry. Well, I was just, my, my history with Michael comes from sports also, you know, I was in NASCAR for a couple of years and, uh, Brendan and I actually, Brendan actually drove our car a little bit in the Bush series. Oh, wow. And, uh, that's, yeah. And I've always been a fan of Michael's. You ever notice whatever's cool, Michael's part of it. I don't mean that he latches onto it. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. But he just everything cool like that and, and things to help people and, and the Cowboys. So many stories we've done. Oh God, yeah. On this podcast of of hey, if you had a PRCA card, you didn't have anything, you were broke, you could stay at the at the you know Gold Coast or yep. Tough Eatem and talking about Michael flying him home. And, yep. You know just. What a phenomenal yes. family. And just, I mean, they are the NFR, you know? I mean, here in base, what would it be without those guys? Absolutely, you know? Robbie. And and, uh, and I am so blessed. I, I uh, This is my 20th year working for Mr. Gone and Mrs. Gone and uh, their whole family, and I've watched those kids grow up. And, and by the way, I've been uh, here 20 years, and I'm one of the new guys still. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a new employee. Yep. I mean, he has yeah, people loyalty here. Loyalty is a thing with them. That's right. He has people here that have been with him for 40, 45 years. It's, it's amazing. So, uh-huh. so Steve, when you, okay, so clearly you get this job, right? You, you, you get this new ship and, and how lucky you are because a lot of people get, you know, get ships that have already been driven and you're in this one that's just brand new, yeah. getting ready to hit the waters. What, how was that? Cause I, you know, I, I be in the facility business. It's always crazy. How was your first year? with the new ship. I mean, there was some experiences you kind of some ups and some downs. What, how was that first year? Well, a couple things I, w- I would say to you, number one, Nevada, and you know, as well, cause we were at the Thomas Mack center together for 10 years. I was trained that, you know, you got three bids for everything and, and it's always <laughs> the low bid and, you know, and there's a, a certain bureaucracy that you have to deal with at a university. So, when we built the Orleans arena, I, I, I mean, it was a 180 degrees from that. It was Mr. Gone wants the best. He didn't care if it's the ex- most expensive mm. and he's going to make a decision in about 12 seconds. So <laughs> it, really, it was really, really mind blowing for me that, uh, I would present things to him about, you know, building the arena. Cause I was there a year and a half. I was there before we even broke ground. So, oh. you know, I was able to be part of that design and, 
you know, I would bring certain things to him, whether it was the types, type of seating we had or the type of flooring or the type of trussing or whatever it might be for that arena. And he'd let me make my case and he'd say yes or no right there on the spot. Oh, that's awesome. And we probably spent 20 million more on that building than, than, you know, anybody would have. But I would argue that the Orleans arena is still one of the nicest midsize arenas in the country. Yep. Um, almost mm-hmm. 20 years later. Oh, I agree with you a hundred percent on that, Steve. No doubt. About the 12,000. Uh, what is that? A uh, six to 12,000. Is that probably, yeah, Robbie, I would say it's probably about 9,000 seats there for a concert. Okay. And then we were put yeah. about 7,000, 6,500, 7,000 people in there for hockey. And, you know, we in, in Nevada, if you remember, we really went after, we brought minor league hockey back yep. to Las Vegas. Wranglers. We brought the state high school championships back to Las Vegas after 19 years in Reno. Um, you know, unfortunately for the Mac, I mean, we brought Disney on ice and the circus and the globe trotters. And, uh, you know, we brought all the family shows. We did all the high school graduations along with Thomas and Mac center. We did motorsports. We did four big motorsports events a year. So, um, we had that thing cranking up and, and, you know, we, we had it going. It was, it was a fun ride for sure. Yeah. But to your point, um, we had Mm -hmm. to be creative. We had to do those kind of events because, you know, going after the touring concert business was a huge challenge. We were in a crowded marketplace and, you know, for five years, we never got a live nation show. We, and if if you would have told me that back then, I I wouldn't have even taken the job. Mm. Uh, but we had to be creative to get shows and, uh, Mr. Gone allowed us to be creative and, and, and we did, and we had a, we had a great run. That's how you, I mean, that's how you get better, right? Like, uh, as I learned being in the event business, it's just, it's all, it's just the conveyor belt that just keeps coming at you and you keep adapting and, you know, the, the, and how you apply what you learned. And, and, you know, as long as you never get out of learning, you're always going to be living the event business yeah. pretty successfully. This is so cool. This is <laughs> yeah. the kind of stuff Fada and I talk about in between <laughs> our, our sets with, with you guys and, and, and the history that he's told me about it. And I'll be daggone if I'm not actually getting to talk to the people that, Oh, yeah. You know, how many times we've sat there in between phone calls <laughs> with, with our guests and, and you've told me this stuff and now <laughs> it, it actually puts it into perspective and I, and I understand what's going on and, and how you guys work together and some of the stuff, you know, taking on ticket mats. I, mean, I love those stories, guys. And, I mean, <laughs> people need to hear Oh, yeah. Well, and it's funny because, you know, we, we never lost our, our Thomas and Mac roots. You know, we always work together with those guys. In fact, when Thomas and Mac, right as I was walking out of the door of the Thomas and Mac, is when we brought ticketing in the house yep. uh, uh, to the yeah. T&M UNLV tickets. And then when I got to the Orleans, I was very familiar with it. We brought UNLV tickets to the Orleans Arena, you know, so we shared ushers, we shared staff. I mean, um, there's always been a great, co- what's the word, collegiality? Camaraderie, collegiality. There's all, they're all big yeah. words, Robbie. I don't know all those Collaboration, words, but, man. Man, um, let me spell that. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, where we really would notice for us, we didn't think we were doing anything, um, out of character or, or, nope. or anything. But when we would go to these national conferences, these arena managers conferences and these big music conferences, the other markets and the other buildings in America were just shocked at how well we all got along together and we drank together and we partied together and, 
we collaborated together and it's not like that in every other city. Mm. You know, there, there's no, amazing no, no. competition. I mean, you just look down in LA right now and, and look at what happens between the forum in Inglewood and the Staples center in LA. And I mean, mm. that'll give you an idea what it's like in every city in America. Yep. But oh, uh, we've boy. always had, we've always had great collaboration in this city and, you know, and it shows when, when Las Vegas events brings these big signature events to our city, and venues like ours are able to tie into that. It really shows just how well this city can work together. Yeah, it's it amazing. does. It can. Yep. Look at the names on that, on the NFRC, and 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 you know when you go in in the office there and look at Las Vegas events. Absolutely, is, a lot of heavy hitters. That is so true. Yeah. And not everybody pays attention to that well, and Mm-mm. it shows. But I mean, you guys have have a magic there. You know, I mean, it's it's like everybody. It's a competition, but everybody's on the same team. And yes, that's the truth. It's like rodeo. So, all right. That about your city, people loan each other stuff. They, they never let a guy hang as long that's as that's right. You'll get your salt and pepper back, man. When you when you give it to your neighbor here in Vegas, you'll get it back. I promise. So, Steve, obviously, great run going with Orleans, but and this is the one that I I don't know how all this all came about, but I. How did this transition go? I'm still, trying to, I'm still <laughs> trying to figure this one out. Yeah, I, like all of a sudden, Gong starts building his own casino, and you go too. Let's take a quick pause. We'll return in a few moments. Howdy, I'm Bob Tolman, and this is NFR Extra. Each year at Cowboy Christmas, more than a quarter million country western shoppers mingle with NFR contestants, Flint Rasmussen, and the best junior cowboys and cowgirls in the world. There's no place in sports where your rodeo heroes find time to meet and greet their fans 9 to 5 every day. Cowboy Christmas. It's shopping, live music, rodeo, and so much more. Book your reservations and find out more at NFRExperience.com. Cowboy Christmas. It's all here. Hi, I'm eight-time world champion bull rider Donnie Gay, and you're listening to NFR Extra. We are back with Steve Stallworth, general manager of the South Point Arena and Equestrian Center. How does that transition go from you guys doing what you did at Orleans, and now Michael says, hey, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to the south end of the strip. How does all that how, – yeah. how, where's the story on that? Well, I tell you, it's, it's one of my favorite stories ever. And I mean, it's one of those legendary stories about Michael gone. So we opened the Orleans arena in May of 2003 in about right. 2004. And we had this, we, we, we kind of came out of the box strong at the Orleans arena in about 2004. He said, I think I want to build an equestrian center at my new hotel, the South coast. If you remember, this was the South coast back yep. then. Now I'll tell you, I didn't even know what an equestrian center was, um, <laughs> but I had an assistant uh, manager at the time, a guy named Tim Lanier, who now runs the Cowtown Coliseum in Fort Worth. Damn. But oh, wow. Tim, Tim knew what an equestrian center was. He was from Fort Worth. And so we got on the phone. We started calling every equestrian association in America, every promoter that we could think of in the equestrian industry and just said, Hey, here's what we're thinking. What do you guys think? You know, blah, blah, blah. Almost all of them unanimously said, bad idea. Vegas is too far for the equestrian industry. It's too hot. And there are way too many distractions for these horse shows to, to be successful. So, of course, I reported that back to Mr. Gone, and uh, <laughs> he looked at me, and he says, well, he goes, I'm going to do it anyway, so you guys better figure it out. 
So, yeah. All right. so for your help, all right, when do y'all want to start? That's right, exactly. And I've always said it uh, about Mr. and Mrs. Gone. Not only did they build something or envision something that would be great for our property, they envisioned something and built something that actually is great for our city. Um, they've, they've brought a whole new genre of events, a whole new discipline of sports, you know, to our city. But, uh, anyway, so fast forward a little bit, I was in on that on the ground floor and it was exciting. And, um, you know, we actually, you know, had a team at the Orleans that was, uh, working on content, working on design, all those things for the South Point Equestrian Center. Um, Uh and then in the, in the middle of all that, he decided to merge with Boyd Gaming. Mm. So we all became Boyd Gaming uh, employees, and they had a different kind of way about how how to do things. So uh, my assistant GM came over here, ran this building. I stayed at the Orleans. And then shortly after that, Mr. Gaughan separated from Boyd Gaming. Um, That story is pretty well documented. He traded in all of his Boyd Gaming stock and just kept the South Coast, but he had to change the name to the South Point. So when that happened, I pretty much had to make a decision. Do I stay at the Orleans Arena, which is uh, the building that I built and I loved and uh, was familiar with? I mean, I I had so much equity in that industry. Or do I stay with the guy that I love and the man that I love and the person that I wanted to, to be with? So I chose the man even though the industry was very uh, unknown and foreign to me. (laughs) And the first six, eight months, I was like, man, what did I get myself into here? (laughs) But I can tell you this, fast forward. Was it cold after, I mean, was the relationship of that cold, you know, I mean, with with you leaving and and doing that? Um, You know what? Boyd Gaming was a little surprised that I left, to be honest with you, because I mean that was just the that was the world that I was in, and and you know had a lot of equity in that in that building there. Yeah, but uh, but working for Mr. Gone, I mean, I just the value of that can't be understated, you know. And uh, being able to wear jeans and boots and cowboy hat to work every day that uh, that sounded kind of cool too. <laughs> right on. Um, and I tell you guys, fast forward. Um, you know, I think for the last probably four or five years, we have been considered the premier equestrian facility in America. And, um, you know, we're proud of that. We're very, very proud of that. And, um, a lot of our team that was at the Orleans came over here as well. And, uh, we're, we're very, very, very proud of that. And this year we'll host about 44 weeks of just equestrian events. Nice. Yeah. Not to mention all the other events we do as well. So it's been a great run. Busy. What was it like um, doing the jet ski challenge? The jet ski. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that earlier today with Daryl, the dirt. Darryl yeah, we had Daryl Mosier on oh, the, yeah. the podcast. Daryl Mosier. Daryl's yeah. the man. Daryl does our dirt, too. He's yep. the man. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he was. we were laughing about that, and I said, I saw a picture of jet skis in that arena. How in the hell did y'all keep that one? <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. It goes back to what we were talking about. I mean, when you, when you open up a brand new arena and a a brand new air, I mean, you got to do whatever you can. You got to be creative to put content in here, you know? And, um, and that was an event we had dates and we said, Hey, let's do it. So, uh, we put 660,000 gallons of water in our arena 
three and a half yeah. feet, three and a half feet deep, um, and had jet ski races yeah. for two days. And, uh, it was, it was amazing. Um, was but again, you know, just trying to be creative, trying to do things that weren't going to go in any other arena. I mean, Mandalay Bay and the MGM weren't going to let 660,000 gallons of water go in their building. No. Uh, where did yep. you did you tank it in, or did you just simply leave a leave a valve on? <laughs> oh yeah. Let me tell you what. And and the problem wasn't getting the water in. That was no problem at all. The problem was getting it out because the county oh would o- the county would only let us dump so much in back into the system oh, at man. a time. So it oh, took us about really? four days to drain it. So. Uh, yeah, and it was it was good for one time, but that was a one and done deal, boys. We're done with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love those events. The uh, we're never doing that event again. You've been heading up a facility now for twenty years, whether it be South Point, Orleans. How has the business? Because and I know it's changed, but I'm just curious on your perspective. How has it evolved from you know sitting in your position? How has it evolved dealing with promoters, sponsors, ticketing? I mean, is, have you seen a good evolution in that that twenty years? Oh, oh, hundred percent. I think, um, a couple of things just off the top of my head that stand out. Um, again, I'm just talking about my 20 years. I'm not even going back 30 years, Yeah. but in the live entertainment, uh, live entertainment space right now, there are, there, there aren't that many players like there used to be, you know, right. back in the day, I might have a hold for a concert with five different promoters that mm. were bidding for that one artist to play my building. Wow. Um, wow. Those, those days are done. You know, it's, it's live nation now and it's AEG for the most part. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. so there's so few promoters for the you know, same yeah. amount of content that we used to have back in the old days. Um, certainly all of the digital media now, and you guys are a part of that. Uh, you yep. know, it, it's amazing now. I mean, there are a lot of shows now that go on sale that don't even buy traditional media anymore. You know, back then you always had to have somebody on your team that knew how to buy media, knew how to buy TV, knew how to buy print, radio, radio outdoor, radio. all those kind of things. Exactly. And those relationships with the radio station. So certainly the advertising, I'm telling you 30 years ago, it cost more to advertise for a show than it does now. Yeah. To be uh, honest with you. hundred um, percent. Um, you know, I oh, about that, and especially like an election year like this, can you imagine trying to do promotions? You know, yeah, and, the, and, been doing it for twenty years, Robbie. It's tough. Yeah, and you guys, Nevada, you've seen it. You guys have evolved with your digital media and social media and all the things you're able to do now, and you know, database management and mm-hmm. um, emails and website. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just amazing. So you know, certainly those those two things really stand out to me uh, in our business. Um, in the equestrian world, it's still a very operationally run business model. Wow. Um, with very few exceptions, you know, in the in the live in in the traditional arena business, it's very very marketing and sales driven. Hmm. I mean, ninety percent of the business is focused on that. In our world, it's just the opposite. We're still very very much operationally driven. Um, you know, there are a few real marketing and sales driven organizations, but for the most part, it's still very operationally driven. Um, it's a heavy labor, um, you know, operation still, but, um, you know, our business also from the Orleans and traditional business model is we don't do a lot of what we call retail events or consumer events. Mm. 
you guys being in the rodeo business, it's very consumer driven, right? Yep. You sell a ticket, yes, somebody comes to your event for three, four hours, and then they go home. You know, in our world, we want somebody to come to our building for three, four, five days and then go home. Yeah, yeah it's really yeah. spectator driven and more competitor driven. With the word part- participatory. So we want. We want the participatory. Yeah. That's a good word, too. Yeah. yeah, we want those participatory events. Um, Why would you use you know, that big word on me? Another big word, Robbie. Yeah, we've Go- used a lot of big words here, man. Google it, Robbie. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Joe Bumgarner. Y'all can stop. He's my friend. My man, my man, Joe. He is. Man, uh, Joe. He is the best. I don't know if you know Nevada. We have a PRCA Hall of Famer, PBR yeah. Hall of Famer, Pendleton Rodeo Hall of Famer, Red Bluff Rodeo and Hall of Famer. One cool son of a gun. <laughs> That's right, Joe oh. Bumgarner, who's a former bullfighter. Uh, runs all of our back of the house operations and I didn't know he is that a superstar. Yeah, yeah, I met him when yeah, I was just getting started. Yeah, he is the best. Joe is the king. He was. There's a whole chapter there. We got to get Joe on here. Don't yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, we definitely got to get Joe on. <laughs> yeah, no, Joe would be a great one, man. Joe is. Joe might be one of the best athletes I've ever been around. And I mean, you know, you yeah. think about these bullfighters and being great athletes. Joe's a great basketball player, volleyball player, golfer, uh, tennis. I mean, you name it. This guy will beat you in any sport there is. And yet, I mean, I think that's partly why. I know, he and was, it's almost like he doesn't work at it either because I know he likes to drink beer with us and hang out. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's cool about Joe, and but unfortunate. You know, if you look at what's happened with BFO, he's the kind of guy that have been marketable all kind. you know, because he's got personality. He's got all these things that would work. And it just sucks for some of these guys that were, you know, bullfighters when they were, when with what's happened today, yeah. you know, he doesn't, he didn't get his uh, yeah. spotlight like he should. It's time to take a little break. Wherever you listen to the NFR Extra podcast, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, or even YouTube, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and let us know what you think of this episode or any episode by leaving a comment. Hi, this is Derek Stevens. I'm the owner and chief executive officer of the D Las Vegas this is NFR Extra. We are back with Steve Stallworth, general manager of the South Point Arena and Equestrian Center. So back to Steve, back to your, your business model. So so your whole goal, and that's, I'm glad you're bringing this up because this is the difference in something like a Thomas Mack Center opposed to what you guys got going on. You have housing. You got people where they're going to stay. There's things that they can spend money on. So, you know, can you expand a little bit more on that of like what those events are how and how do you go about What's kind of your strategy? Is there some sort of you guys do out through the year? How do you fish events? I mean, you were, I know you were taught to pick up that phone and call. So how 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 has yeah. you done that? How have you done that? No, well, I think it all starts that I'm evaluated every year, Nevada, by how many hotel rooms we book, and our hotel room bookings are directly related to how many stalls we we are able to fill with horses. Um, there's a correlation there, so. You know, we are going after the biggest uh, and the best participatory events in the country. Uh, we're bidding on them every day. You know, we we don't obviously compete with anybody in Las Vegas, but we're competing with cities and counties and states. And uh, we're privately owned. We're, most of these venues we compete against are, like I said, city, county, or state-owned. Uh, Fort Worth, for instance, is the monster in our oh, industry. Yeah. They have a thing called the Texas Tr- uh, Events Trust Fund that – you know, these events can tap into, um, if we lose an event, it's typically to Fort Worth or Oklahoma city, Mm. uh, very, very strong, 
you know, Western lifestyle markets, uh, their, their communities get it, they understand it, and it's in the oh, yeah. central part of, of the horse country in America, you know. Uh, we still compete a little bit with Scottsdale, Westworld, which is a huge, huge mm. equestrian complex. It's owned by Barrett Jackson. That's right. Yep, deal. the city actually owns it, but Barrett controls all of their key okay, dates. You're right. exactly right, Robbie. Wow. You're exactly right. Um, and uh, and like I said, their city gets behind a lot of their events as well. So, um, you know, for uh, and we are still considered uh, kind of a boutique property. We really only have three arenas um, and 1,200 stalls. Oklahoma City has 3,000 stalls. You know, Ooh. Fort Worth can get up to 3,000 stalls. Jeez. They have multiple arenas, multiple space. Uh, Scottsdale, for instance, probably has about eight to ten arenas there even though most of them are outdoors they have just huge you know hundreds of acres you know our entire casino and equestrian complex sits on about 68 acres or so um you know those properties are huge so for the size of venue we have um we're going after all that we can uh, to you know, to bring in bodies, to bring in competitors that fill stalls, fill hotel rooms. So that, that's pretty much where it all starts for us, Nevada. Yeah. Then so I, making Ryan happy. Yeah. That's right. Making Mr. Grounty happy as well. That's right. Another NFRC committee member now. Let me add something real quick. That's right. Hey, Go hey, ahead. Robbie. Go ahead. I want to because I think you'll agree with this. You know, after interviewing Grounty, and I've got to interview Grounty quite a few times on different different uh, oh, perspectives yeah. and things like that. And then, you know, talking to Steve, and I know it's Steve, but I think for you, Robbie, you might agree with this. But if you think about who Michael Gong hires, think about the personalities that we oh. get to talk to with Steve, you know what I mean, and Growney. I mean, honestly, Steve, there's there's a there's a brand here, right? There's a brand of, like, personality that he hires. And you, I mean, honestly, after talking to Growney the way you have, and we've had, we've talked about all kinds of things with Growney. Uh, same thing with you. You guys resemble something that Gong obviously sees very important in people and how you guys handle stuff. I mean, you, I'm just, I'm just sharing that, that, that kind of that brand that you represent for him and Grownie. You guys are very similar. Well, I appreciate that. Nevada, I appreciate that. And I tell you, I, I will tell you this too. And uh, I know you guys have had Ryan on here before when Ryan came over here, uh, right. it, it changed everything for me because Ryan was in the Western lifestyle, worked in the Western lifestyle. He knew a lot of our customers. He knew a lot of our sponsors, you know, yeah. and it was immediate credibility when he sat in that chair and, um, you know, and it still is to this day. I mean, he has great relationships. He's involved in the Rancheros, Vistadores, and, um, Ryan is really followed in Michael's footsteps on the rodeo side. I don't spend as much time on the rodeo side as those two guys do. Um, well, you can't, you know, I mean, I, I can understand that. I mean, you right. have so and, many different equestrian events. Yes, exactly. Exactly right, Robbie. And, 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 you know, and that is their passion and their love and they're knee deep in it. And that's great. And, um, you know, and I'm, I'm on the fringes of the rodeo world, but, all other equestrian stuff, um, you know, I, I'm knee deep in for sure. And we love the Western lifestyle, what we call performance horse events, mm-hmm. which are really rodeo type events, you know, team roping, barrel racing, reining, cutting, rain cow horse events. You know, those performance horse events are really, I think, where we shine here as a venue. Stalls back there. I went walking back through there this year, uh, right before the bullfight. And, um, there were stalls back there. I've never even seen that. Place. <laughs> I 
I went, I, I got back there in y'all's office, you know, and I went walking and hell, I was lost. Most yeah, you get lost years. back there for sure. Yeah, uh, that's please. funny. I've never needed anything. I got to tell you, I've never needed for anything in that arena to where there, I was working for Tough. I was doing the the uh, World Series when we did the bullfight there. Whatever yep. I've ever needed, you know, leadership there, um, you can just tell it's good because every person there, they're, they're the same thing we talked about early with Lucia. They always want to help you because a successful show means we come back. A successful show means the people in the audience are having fun. And that's what it's about. And I've never heard, oh, I can't do that for you. Oh, I can't do that. Anywhere in that casino. And that's oh, that's great. We have a saying here. We mm-hmm. call it FOTSY. F-A-W-T-S-Y. Find a way to say yes. And oh, it nice. doesn't mean that it's free, and it doesn't mean that we can do it right away, but we're going to try to find a way to say yes. So what what goes on for you in those two weeks during December uh, as the NFR is taking place? What, what's going on in your backyard or your your business of things, Steve? Yeah, you bet. And, you know, and I, I mentioned it earlier in Nevada, and I know you guys talk a lot about in your meetings there at Las Vegas events about signature events in our city. Yes, sir. And I don't think anybody has benefited more from signature events in our city than me uh, here at the South Point and when I was at the Orleans. And, you know, the NFR, of course, creates, uh, creates a whole thing going on, and we host – um, the first week of the national finals rodeo, the, the PRCA convention. So the pro rodeo Cowboys association yeah, yeah. convention for those listeners that may not know who that is, uh, which is just a, a great way for us to kick off our week with their hall of fame and their, their, uh, you know, dinners, Award, banquets yeah. and the back number ceremonies and all those things. Yeah. It's just fantastic. And then we it's roll right in. Show. I mean, that's where the rodeos are booked. That's right. Exactly. It's almost like for some of your listeners, it's the IAFI of the rodeo business. Mm. You know, that that's yeah. where those that business happens, you know. And then from a venue standpoint, we we roll right into the Benny Binion Buck and Bull and Horse Sale, which is a great tradition in, in, in the rodeo community on that Thursday. Then we have Stace Smith's World Bronc Futurity the very next day. And having Stace, who's been stock contractor of the year, you know, God, more than probably 10 times, uh, runs oh, yeah. that event and all that money and all those proceeds go to the, the Binion's, you know, or the hall of fame there for the PRCA rodeo. So then we roll yeah. into what is, uh, been documented as the second richest equestrian event in the world, which is the world series of team roping. So that starts on that Saturday runs for seven days. Last year, the World Series of Team Roping paid out $13.5 million Ooh, over seven days. So it's it's a pretty, just amazing operation. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, it turns regular Joes that just have four great runs and, uh, into, you know, temporarily rich guys, man. Mm, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a fun run, 5,000 ropers, 3,000, shoot, probably 4,000 horses. Uh, that come into our city. Uh, we house about 3,000 of them right here on our property. Um, and it's just an amazing, amazing operation. And so, you, I mean, it sounds like uh, no downtime for you during that time. That's uh, You're just as busy as Mr. Growney. Oh, crazy. The good news is I take most, the, I take the day stuff and then Growney takes all the night stuff. So it's actually a pretty good working relationship. Man, <laughs> that's awesome. 
what you're wanting to hear is ding, 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 ding. <laughs> that's right. You're yeah. exactly yeah. right, Robbie. Uh, and heads and beds, man. Right. So one more question before we uh, ding, ding, ding. we uh, we let you go, Steve. And this is just a simple question. What's the what, what's the? Go, I like. No, I, man, we can talk to Steve. I, there, there's a lot more angles we could go with Steve. I promise you. This week, I love it, Robbie. We got to grab me and you and Joe, and uh, we'll have some cold ones to keep the conversation going. <laughs> what is what's the what's your favorite part about your job? I think my favorite part is just having a different challenge every single day you walk through the door in Nevada. I mean, I, I just can't imagine you know working at a bank or you know, working in somewhere where just there's a repetitive nature, uh, as to what happens, you know, now we have a repetitive nature that we try to create here in terms of our culture and our values and, uh, you know, consistent communication and those kind of things, but the different people, the different personalities, every single day, there's something different. And, uh, I, I think it juices me up. I, I, my staff, uh, you know, every day I, I can't wait to get to work. I mean, I absolutely cannot wait. It's it's uh, it's just a great time, and I've been very blessed that for 30 years in Las Vegas, I think I've been I just have been blessed to be here in the 30 most exciting years that we've ever had. So, yeah. uh, and I'm not done, brother. Looking forward to uh, to the next 30 years as well. Yeah, no, man, that's yeah, awesome. Right, huh? Well, hey, Steve, I'm thank so- you. You're uh, you're an executive, so I know you got yeah, things got going on, and you. Well, we love we love having you guys here, and as you know, Mr. Gone, uh, cowboy hats are welcome and appreciated here at the South Point. So make sure to share that with all your listeners as well. Definitely, thank you, That's Steve. Right. All good. So guys, stay safe, and uh, we'll be in touch. All right, brother. That's it for episode forty nine, and a thousand thanks to Steve Stallworth for joining us on NFR Extra. And up next on episode 50, Bill Neff, Vice President, Consumer Marketing at Yeti. For more information regarding the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, visit NFRExperience.com and follow Las Vegas NFR on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year. Gotta make it out to Vegas where the big boys roam. And the racers and the bulls and the browns And the ladies in the skin-tight ringers And the cowboys